All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. It's your host, Tom Alemo. They call me Tommy Tahoe around these parts, and I'm excited to bring you episode 203 of the show. Uh, real quick, before we get into the goods for this week, uh, as always, you got to know, I put a lot of time and effort into this show, um, you know, not to, not to pat myself on the back, but uh, I do. And so there's no sponsors for this show right now. And um, what you can do to support is go to Apple, Apple Podcasts, and uh, hit subscribe, hit leave a five-star review, five, nothing less. And um, it takes you about 60 seconds. It helps me grow the show. It helps me get better guests, create better content, all that good stuff. You can also find me on Spotify. Uh, if that's where you're listening, I appreciate you. If you're watching me on YouTube, what's up? You can see me shouting out the sales hacker. Uh, sweatshirt right now. Uh, so that's what you can do to help. Uh, you can find me at LinkedIn, Tom Alamo, or uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Tommy Tahoe. Uh, I love connecting with people. So hit me up. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, would love to hear from you. With that aside, let's get into um, who I'm talking to today. Actually, a good friend of mine from years ago. Uh, just so happens we're in, um, you know, kind of playing in a similar world now. He's been adrift for a few years running partnerships. My guy, Justin Bartels, um, we had a great conversation. And um, I've always thought very similarly, very like-mindedly to Justin. I've been wanting to have him on for a while. And, and now that I'm doing the Millennial Spotlights, this is the perfect time to, to break it out. So I'm excited uh, to share my chat with him. Talked about a few things, right? We talked about uh, sales, obviously. Um, and the attitude that you had to have to have and, and the mindset of, of really trying to put yourself in, in the customer's shoes. And really what Justin talks about is focusing on the process, not the outcome, right? So focusing on uh, the things that actually lead to a successful call, but not worrying too much about your quota, about the deal, about closing it, so on and so forth, but really trying to focus on solving the problem at hand. We talked about partnerships, which is a world that I know nothing about. We haven't covered it too much on this podcast, so Justin's really uh, educated me a little bit in that space, which is great. Um, and then we even talk about some fitness. Uh, he's been a CrossFit instructor for years now. Uh, talk about the mind-body connection, how he's getting on with it, even in COVID and in uh, the frigid months of Boston right now, still getting after it. He's got 175,000 followers, I think, on TikTok for his fitness account, so you'll have to check him out. Um, but that's it, man. It's going to be a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, remember, you can hit me up and all that good stuff. But without further ado, let me bring you to my conversation with my good friend, JB, Justin Bartels from Drift. Let's go. JB, Justin Bartels, welcome to the show, my man. How we doing? Good, Tom. How are you? doing great got a little friday morning juice going here i'm excited to chat with you man yeah you're pulling the early morning hours today to get this thing done love it dude we got to get the ring light out here in front of the laptop because it is pitch black uh, i know it's giving people a, a false sense of what day of time it is in uh, <laughs> san francisco there <laughs> absolutely man well how's the uh, how's the new year kicking off for you it's good you know a new full year ahead of us you know a lot of time reflecting on what we learned in 2020 and i think we all learned a lot that's for sure so kind of excited to have a little recharge after the holiday and hit the ground running and implement some of the learnings and turn them into, you know, experiments, see where, see where we end up. I love it, man. I love it. Um, 
I want to, you know, obviously we're going to spend some time talking about sales tips. One thing I wanted to bring up was you, um, I know that you're a, you're a CrossFit enthusiast. I think you're uh, at some level of a trained certified, you know, teacher. Uh, so I'd love to just hear a little bit, if, if you don't mind chatting about like the kind of the mind, uh, the mind body connection there, like how, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, taking that time probably daily for you uh, or maybe multiple times a day to work out and get that going, like helps you to stay clear, to stay focused and how that all works together for you. For sure. For sure. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely a morning workout person. That's I love to get it in out of the way before I work. And it brings me energy before I go into work. And it's, I think it's nice to start it, start the day with just taking care of yourself and taking care of your basic human needs, right. To move, to, to exercise, to improve your health. But over the years I've found it's also kind of a form of meditation, right? Um, and I'm sure, I think you meditate as well if I've, I've seen yep. some of your content, but you know, if you think about a typical workout where you're doing a movement, you're focusing on your breathing, you're counting your reps. There's a lot of similarities between sitting down and doing like headspace or calm and, you know, focusing on your breathing there and counting your reps and being present in the moment. So I found that, you know, working out in the morning, you know, not only takes care of your health aspects and, and takes care of your body, but also takes care of your mind and starts you off with maybe a different form of meditation, maybe a little less calm, but a lot of the same tenants, you know, a lot of the same mechanisms that are bringing you into the present moment. So that's why I love it. It's, it's hard not to be present when you've got a bar, you know, like a, a, when you're under the squat rack and like about to you know, go for a, a PR or something like that. I mean, if your mind is anywhere else, then you're not in a good spot. For sure. Yeah. You're focusing, right. You're focusing on the present moment. You're focusing on uh, generally under high stress or a little bit of stress there. And it's training that central governor to okay, say, okay, there's a distraction or there's a thought coming in. I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm going to focus on the thing I'm doing now. But Absolutely. What, are you, what are you doing these days? Are you uh, doing at-home workouts because San Francisco's locked down or running? What's your Wait, focus? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the home gym here. Yeah. Got a couple kettlebells um, and yep. some bands, and that's about it. So uh, I actually got shoulder surgery last year, so I was rehabbing for you know at PT for quite some time, and now I've got the green light. So awesome. uh, just just kind of going through some some different routines there. How about you? Are you locked down? Or are you you've got the yeah? Home gym? I mean, Boston's been interesting. I think on par with San Francisco as far as gym locks. In lockdowns go so I've, we've been fortunate not to not have uh, you know a super snowy winter so i've actually been doing a lot of outdoor classes in the mornings nice. either either coaching them or with our with our gym and taking them and just bundling up and that's that's also nice you know especially being kind of locked in my apartment all day it's a nice to get outside and start the day with a little bit of fresh air totally totally and that's the beauty of crossfit or you know just working on your fitness in general like you get it in when and where and how you can do it and you just kind of like make the best of wherever situation you're in right step one just move that's eight that's the 80 20 of it just daily movement that brings a majority of the benefits so i love it i love it all right let's get into some sales stuff man so i know you're coming in here with a few different types of tips so uh, let's kick it off with whatever whatever's top of mind for you yeah one thing i've been really focused on this last year and looking at i think this is you know it's this is pervasive throughout kind of sales methodology it's starting to become more and more prevalent. But, uh, you know, one thing that's really helped me is looking at when I'm looking at a deal and looking at the forecast of that deal and the timeline of that deal, reminding myself that the, the, the timeline, the, how long the opportunity plays out is dictated by how fast I can communicate the value and get my, my uh, prospect to 
trust the value that I'm going to bring with my solution, whether it be a product or service. And I think, you know, there's the old school sales mindset is like, okay, we're going to forecast it by this date and we're going to push it as hard as we can to get it in by that date. And yes, you have your levers to do that. And there is some incentives and you, you got to play that game too. But I think taking a step back and saying like, okay, how do I answer all the questions, be as helpful as possible with this prospect and really put myself in their shoes when evaluating my product or service and you know, identify all the all the roadblocks or all the steps in place uh, and questions they're going to have around. You know, is this a product that I really think is going to bring my company value? Do I trust it, whether it be from what you know this salesperson or this sales team is telling me, or people in my network? And <clears throat> is that more beneficial, or is that potentially going to bring a better value than the other initiatives I'm evaluating, or the other technologies or other services I'm evaluating? And that flipping mindset of you know, my opportunity age and how fast it moves is dictated by how helpful and how much I can communicate when it comes to the, you know, the value and getting them to trust the value of, of what a product or service is going to bring is really flipped my view of, you know, forecasting pipeline, moving deals along. Yeah, it's funny when you focus on the, you know, the deal size and when it's going to close and this and that, the things that are in Salesforce, like, that's when deals don't go through. That's when right. you probably have your worst months or quarters, at least for me. Uh, it's kind of just like, you know, to make a sports reference, it's just like when you focus on, you know, the actual process of like, you know, working on your free throws or whatever, all of a sudden you start making more shots, you know, but right. if you just worry about whatever that percentage is, whatever the close date is, uh, you can't just like fake urgency or you can't just make it up out of thin air. So it's kind of like focusing more on what you can control uh, and focusing on what the client actually wants and needs and whether you are the best fit uh, right. and, and trying to have that conversation, but, you know, more so than what your quota is and what's going to be best for you. Right. And, pro, you know, proactively predicting what are going to be those steps? You know, I think we, we look at the discovery conversation per se, like as a sales rep, we want to get a lot of information about that account that we can't get from the outside. We understand that their initiatives, what they're going through, what challenges they're having. If I'm bombarding a ton of questions there they're not getting anything out of that first conversation right i also have to put myself in their shoes and say all right they just booked the time with me to chat about a potential solution there was something that hooked them in to get them to take that meeting now i, I better you know make sure i clarify what are you looking to get out of this first conversation and deliver on that is it getting to a quick yes no i have a problem here or there is a way your product or service can help me being transparent about that or is it hey my friend recommended i take a look at you but i know nothing about you and you know that's a kernel we can jump into but i think you know if you uh, entering every conversation just putting yourself in that customer's shoes and saying like okay how can i make this as beneficial as possible and then you know what is really the question that you know i need to get answered for them today is changed my game <laughs> and i think basic blocking and tackling but always good to be reminded of that you know yeah, I mean, how easy is it to just get into the call and you start running discovery or getting into your pitch or your demo and like, then it's 27 minutes into the call and then you're like, and they, they're they like, oh, you know, I was really hoping to get this out of it, but I have a hard stop and now I have to jump. And so yeah, right. it's just the blocking and tackling, like you said, the fundamentals, know right. why they're on the call, what they want to get out of it, their questions, their history, all that stuff so that you can make it as pertinent as possible. I love For it. Sure. For sure. And then later on the process, right? Security and legal and procurement. A lot of times that's a pain in our side and it's a laborious process. But you know what that company that company has those processes in place for a reason. What are those reasons? It's probably to mitigate risk. It's probably to make sure that this is a good contract that, you know, they're not gonna get burned on if if things go sideways. And and so, 
always reminding yourself like, okay, if I'm dealing with procurement, legal security, they have their own needs. What are they looking to get out of this call? I've, I've, you know, maybe that point of delivered on what my champion in a different business unit is looking for, but legal has their own concerns. Security has their own concerns. Everyone in the, the buying process has that. So I think it, even though you get later in the deal, it's always good to check on that. Like, yes, we've, we've uncovered the business case. We think there's value. My prospect thinks there's value. They trust that it's going to be, you know, bring them value and, and more so than the other initiatives they could be going through. But now we got these new group of people with their own wants and needs. They're you know, trying to get promoted. They're not trying to get fired. They're trying to you know, make their life easy. What, what do they need and how can I help them do that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a huge point too. It's like, we also have the tendency to maybe think about these people as they're just names or they're just people on a zoom screen or an email address, but they do have those wants and needs to get promoted or yeah. whatever it might be, make more money or look good for their boss. So again, trying to always play into those, you know, be mindful of the psychological factors at hand there. Um, right. I love it. All right. So that's one, I think you got three, four. So um, yeah. what, what's number two you got? The second, of course, being in alliances and in partnerships and business development, if you're, I see this a lot with newer reps and I was this way too, you know, luckily I, I started in a very partner focused, focused organization and saw the value that partners can bring. But if you've never, you know, worked a cycle with a partner before or brought a partner in to help with your deal and your, your company has a partner team, set some coffee with that alliance manager, figure out, okay, you know, how can you help me? How can I help you? What are your goals? Because you know, I see this a lot with junior reps. They want to control everything right in the, in the deal cycle and a partner coming coming in or, or you know bringing in a partner or finding out about a partner later on in the sales cycle is risk them because they're like it's an unknown variable i don't know how to do this i just want to focus on working my prospect and just that um, but partners can really accelerate deals um, and you see this as you move up into the enterprise as these deals get bigger you have to bring the ecosystem together around to get this deal done so my second recommendation and tip would be like if you're new and you've never worked with a partner and your your company has a partner organization set some time with the alliance manager that aligns with your BU or aligns with your group and say, Hey, like, what do you, what, what do you have to offer? How can you help me accelerate my deals or get into new accounts? How can I help you do what you do? Oftentimes you'll find there's synergy there, right? My goal is to bring in as many new accounts for my partners and accelerate deals that also aligns with their goals. Awesome. Cool. So now we have a partnership here and then, you know, being very clear about, okay, what, what are the best practices in bringing in partners or when not to bring in partners or how to use them? Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, pick a deal or pick some time with your alliance manager, have some coffee, discuss your pipeline and your targets and, and try it out, see how it goes. And I think you'll find that while wow, partners can bring a lot of value if you've got a great partner organization. And is there something in particular about the partner side that is more interesting to you than maybe being a, a regular AE that's just hunting down net new business? Is that just like the world you happen to get into or is there something in particular about it that you enjoy? Is it like that dynamic where you're working with all these different people and it's kind of a team game or, or yeah. explain that to me. I, I, there's a couple of things I love about it. I love the scale of it, right. Where it's, you know, you're not trying to just hit your number and your patch and your territory with the targets you have. You're kind of trying to lift the boat 5% across the board or lift the tide 5% for all boats across the board. And in my opinion, it's the closest thing to running a company while working for another company, because especially in, I'm in a tech alliances role, I have to be interfacing and working with product and integrations and customer support to say like, all right, where do we have gaps in our roadmap or gaps in, in the vision we're trying to deliver with our product that maybe a partner can help us in the short term, long term, 
or you know make sure you know, help us renew and get more value out of that account so i have to always kind of be in touch with that and then of course being a sales driven role i have to know my sellers i have to know their targets i have to know their challenges whether it be competition or time to get that deal done and help them out and say okay i know your challenge is over here maybe there's a partner over here that can help me with that and then of course on the acquisition side getting into new accounts marketing is there a joint story we can tell with a partner that's really going to complement what we're trying to do and what the partner's trying to do and solve something big for, you know, potential customer that doesn't know anything about us and, you know, isn't in our sphere of, you know, our brand sphere right now. So it's, it's fun that you have your fingers in kind of everything and you get to say, all right, I own this, you know, this integration and this partnership or this collaboration and I get to work across the entire company and kind of be CEO of that own little thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is cool. I've, I've never done anything from a partnership perspective, but I like the sound of, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, of roles that I've liked versus ones that I haven't, is like when you do have different stakeholders across the company that you're working with, you're working with, you know, sales, SDR, marketing, customer success, some of these different folks, uh, when it's just you out there and like the only thing on your mind is like just selling all day long. And I've, yeah. I've had job, you know, roles like that too. Um, it's hard to see the bigger picture. It's hard to think about more than just your quota. I think it becomes a lot more fun when you start to see the different workings of the company and, and you're helping to influence maybe the product direction or you're helping to you know, collaborate with the marketing folks or whatever it might be. So I think right. just getting that, that total involvement helps to, I think, make it more of a satisfying job. For sure, for sure. And lean on this. Like if you're doing your QBRs and you're recognizing I mean, I'm getting beat down by this competitor all the time. You know, they're winning and beating me out in deals. You know, that's not, that's a great, that's a great problem to surface to your leadership and to surface to product and surface to, you know, um, the other groups within your business, because you can make that problem <laughs> in a sense, somebody else's problem or say like, look, if I'm getting beat down, this is pro I'm probably not alone. You know, if it, our competitors beating us because they have this product or feature or functionality or this integration, is it potential to get on the roadmap so that we're neck and neck with them and now we can win out on other features or other promises or other you know, aspects of value. So that's, I, I, you know, if you're, if you're a junior rep and you're thinking, man, I'm in it alone, I'm getting beat up. Like this is a common problem. Like share it with your manager, share it with other groups. So you can help you out with that problem because once you move up, I think that the successful people that are moving up realize it's so much more of a team sell, so much more of, just bringing in the right person to, to handle that objection or that challenge and maybe work on a solution in a different way. Yeah. And I think especially for, a, you know, if you're at a company that's growing, uh, you want people, you know, leadership wants people that can help to build and they can help to fix problems. They can help to see and address those, right. They don't just want uh, a foot soldier that has the quota and wants to hit it. So if you, if you are thinking about things that are outside of just your day to day and you're thinking about solutions to problems that someone that the company wants to keep and wants to, sure. you know, they want to foster that. So, sure. um, all right, what's number three for us, JB? So I think number three, you know, reflecting on any success I've had, if I've had success has been uh, what I call career stacking. And I don't hear enough people talking about this, like as far as like career trajectory growth goes, but I don't know, I've always sold and marketed selling and marketing services to sellers and marketers. And being young in my career, that has allowed me to spend a lot of time thinking about a narrow set of challenges and understand everything around those challenges pretty well. And you know, I'd say if you're if you're a seller, if you're no matter what the role, I guess, I guess is you know, predominantly maybe a sales focused um, group. Like, I think 
thinking about, okay, what can I sell or what can I, you know, market? Um, or can I work for a company that delivers a product service or service that I understand a lot about and can empathize with the person that's buying it is huge. Right. And I think, you know, that's why I do a lot of the side hustle stuff with like TikTok is like, we, we sell the marketers and sellers. I want to understand marketers really well. There's a point where I realized well, I haven't really built an audience and like, you know, built like marketed something of my own and understood the challenges of that, the obstacles, how to scale it, how to do it right, where to go wrong. And I, I you know, I employ you to, to try and do that, you know, try and put yourself in the shoes of whoever you're trying to sell or, or market to at the end of the day. And if you can stack that in your career early on, where you're getting into like, I, you, like Tom here at Gong, he's selling to sellers. Like, I'm sure you can empathize them with them on a, on a whole nother level, right? Now yeah. that you, you're a seller at a selling or, you know, in a selling organization, selling a selling product to sellers, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was actually talking with uh, Scott Barker at Outreach about this, you know, on the podcast a little bit ago too, of like, there's that compound interest, right? Because if you, if you, like you're saying, you're selling to sales and marketing people at one company and then you, you come over to Drift, some of those relate, not only, you know, some of the relationships stay with you and they grow, the knowledge continues to grow, the expertise, right. uh, all of these different things, right? So then after, you know, so many years, you know, we're pretty still in the, you know, adolescent, you know, yeah. baby part of our career, yeah. uh, that, that can really grow and, and compound on itself. So then at some point you are the person that knows everything or, or a lot of things and knows a lot of people in the industry. And that only will make your job easier, you know, 10 years from now, whatever it is that you decide to do. So I think that's a really smart idea. Like pick what that thing is. And if it's not your first job, then that's okay. You might not get lucky and pick, you know, your first job in, in an industry you love but find what that thing is and then really kind of dive deep into it. Understand the, the process, understand the market, the people, the technologies. And uh, I think that pays a lot of dividends. Right. As you and I know, like if you're going to be selling something, you're going to be talking about it all day long. So you better, you better love talking about it. Right. And you better love getting interested in it and how it helps people and the people that's trying to help. Because if you don't have that curiosity and that drive to learn about those challenges and problems, you, you, it's going to be, you're going to be fighting that internal friction a lot. I, I think that's amazing career advice. And can we just, before we wrap up, give a little yeah. love. You, met, I wasn't going to bring it up. You brought up the TikTok. How many <laughs> followers do you have nowadays? Oh, we have 175K on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I, I post some of the, like, these clips from the podcast on TikTok, and I've got about 12 followers. And you sent me a <laughs> message one day, and you're like, hey, just throwing it out there. I've got like 100,000. So if you need any help, let me know. <laughs> I don't know if I sent that. That makes me sound a little arrogant, but no, I'm just it's kidding. definitely its own platform with its own strategy. And um, it's, you know, it, what's cool about it is it's a bit democratic in that the since it's all focused around content recommendation and the algorithm, like the algorithm can take, as long as it's really good content, you can build an audience really fast. And so it, you find these really interesting people from all these different walks of life that have a very just fascinating life and they're documenting it and they're gaining massive followings Whereas on other platforms, they may not have built those followings because they don't have access to the right people. They're not getting promoted by the right third-party resources to build a following on like an Instagram, you know, or Snapchat or a Facebook. That's what's, that's why I, I really like TikTok is like, if you have something interesting to say or really high quality content or like, you know, a really fascinating part of life, the algorithm will take care of it and make sure it gets exposed to the right people. I love it. Yeah. I've got a friend that like quit his job and moved to Bali and he's got the same thing as yeah. he's just growing. It's through the roof. Um, so 
I appreciate it, man. This was a uh, great three tips uh, for people, both from a sales, a partnership and a career perspective. Uh, maybe just as we wrap up any last thoughts that you have and, and where folks can reach out to you. Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Justin Bartels. I work at drift. Um, so connect with me on LinkedIn, love connecting with the folks on LinkedIn and sharing tips, especially if you're in alliances and business development right now, that's, um, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of sales and marketing content out there, but there's not a ton for partnerships and alliances. It's growing. Um, so if you're in those roles and you want to connect and share best practices on what's working for you, love to do it. Cause it's kind of, you know, early stage in its maturity. And then, uh, we'd actually just joined a, a as a co-host on a, on a partnership podcast called partner up. So if, you, if, you're, if you're in the partnership space, you want to learn, we're interviewing, you know, people who have done it before, who've built some amazing partner programs and ecosystems. So find us, you can just simply search, search Google, uh, <laughs> Google search partner up podcast and you'll find it. Awesome, man. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love you getting into the podcast game. <laughs> yeah, we're good. It's all about content, right? You're either consuming it or you're creating it these days. I love it. I love it. All right, JB, I appreciate you coming on the show, everyone. Uh, make sure to check out the Partner Up podcast. Hit him up on LinkedIn. Uh, he's a great resource and puts out some great content. And check him out on TikTok, too. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having All me. Right. Yeah, see ya. All right. Thanks for listening to that episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. Uh, again, the one thing you can do, head over to Apple and give us a five-star review. That's what helps us grow this show. Otherwise, hit me up on social media, Tommy Tahoe on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Tom Malema on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, have a great February. Peace.